0: As a global co-working and conference community. We've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Hey guys, it is Liz Elam and Kayla Parker of Work Bold and I did something a little different this time. We recorded our conversation and we're publishing it on both of our podcasts. So enjoy something different today. Welcome. It's Liz Elam and Kayla Parker. And we're doing something a little different today that we're super excited about. We're just having a conversation about the future of work.
1: Which is one of my favorite topics, of course.
0: Of course. So, you know what? I'm going to get started, Caleb. Rock and roll. So, you know, I see you post a lot about space as a service. And I see Flex is, you know, branded on your website and, you know, I'm real co-working focused and I'm just curious where you see like space as a service versus what Flex is versus what co-working is. And let's like vibe on that for a minute.
1: Sure. It's a, it's a good, good topic because I think, you know, we've, been growing this industry has been growing the last 30 years and more specifically the last 10 years massively and it's confusing to people because they hear this buzzword co-working everywhere and but then you hear all the real estate people talking about flex space mm-hmm. uh, and then this new term space as a service that got coined by well who knows Duke Long or anthony slumbers but what does it all mean and uh, well, does anybody really have a proper definition? I don't know. But I my my view is space as a service is the, is the wrapper. Space as a service includes flex. Flex is a feature of space as a service. And co-working is the community aspect. I like to say that there are five pillars of space as a service. There's mm-hmm. the technology that's needed. There's the hospitality that's needed. Uh, obviously, you have to have space and you have to have community and you have to have management to optimize all of that. But the community aspect to me is is where the co-working comes in.
0: Yeah. 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 I think to me, space as a service sounds more like you're just selling space as a service and that you're not interested in community per se. Ooh, it's interesting. And, I, and I think flexible work is real estate's term to describe selling space on shorter term contracts and people who generally don't necessarily understand community. And that co working is people that spell, sell space. In a flexible manner but they understand community
1: i like that i do like it i i would say i disagree with um in the way i view things on space as a service is and i understand the connotation you're taking there but i see space as a service including the five pillars i Mm -hmm. described of which community is a massive super important part of it and i don't think a lot of people get right because they're just trying to sell space and, right. and it is. It, it, but who who are you selling to, and who are you in business to support and serve? And that's the mm-hmm. customer. And the customer wants a community.
0: Totally. And like that's like one of my like things I keep saying this year is like people need. community people deserve a community and that it's like it's critical for our society like the loneliness epidemic through the roof not getting any better suicide rates off the charts addiction off the charts and like the only thing that really solves for depression and addiction is a community
1: i mean people want to Feel like they belong to something. Yeah, want to. In in a happier people, typically are people who uh, feel like they have purpose in their life, and to be part of a group of people who are moving forward in the direction of of purpose might not be the same purpose, but to be part of a community of people who are heading in a direction that have purpose, it's it's contagious and it's fulfilling.
0: Yeah, and I think it's not even i think you can even go even more simple than purpose sometimes it's just having somebody acknowledge you as a human that day like and say hello to you and look you in the face like there's so many people that are just you know, walking around being lonely. And if they go into a co-working space and somebody says, Hey, Sam, I'm so glad you're here today. Like that can make somebody's entire day. Like you have no idea what's going on in their life or what they've been through that morning. Right. So I think like that aspect of hospitality, which is also an aspect of community, which is also just being human is so important in these spaces.
1: Well, I, the The key word there is human and, and I think I've said a long time many times on my podcast that we need to put people at the center of the universe in, in commercial real estate because it's been all about you know making returns for investors. certainly investors are, are our people, but you know the people we serve and and bringing it back to that human human level is important and I think you're right that you know that co- going into a place where somebody recognizes you, uh, that might be your fellow coworker, but it's better be the team on site. And I think commercial real estate in general, uh, historically, we we haven't always had the most hospitable people to welcome us when we walked in the building, but co-working gets it right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I was looking at that. I think it was like two weeks ago. There was a New York Times article about a um, like a high end apartment complex in New York that had put like a co-working space in it. And people were joining because they're like, great, there's a co-working space on site. And I'm like, that's great. But it'll end up being like all of those like apartment complexes that have like this amenity floor, which looks like a co-working space with like a crappy Keurig and a printer and no humans. And they think it's going to work. And it's you like, know why? well, the
1: reason, the, the reason is, is because they're just trying to make some money and they're, not, yeah. they're not actually thinking about who they're serving and and, and putting the people at front and center. And I think most of the independent co-working operators around the world, they set up trying to solve a problem for themselves. And they said, oh, well, gosh, I'm right. solving this problem for myself. Let's find some other people like me uh, and let's all work together and, and champion each other. And, and that is the ethos of co-working that I think some of the larger players that try to adopt co-working into their buildings miss out on.
0: Yeah. Which is also why, like I often tell real estate folks that are like, Hey, we're going to start a co-working brand. I'm like, yeah, don't just go partner with somebody. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> you stay in the real estate lane. We'll stay in the people lane. We got this.
1: Yeah. Who who, who are you trying to start a co-working brand for? You know, who who's it for?
0: Mm-hmm. And it's usually just because they've heard that they need this amenity. And so they're like, oh, they look at it from afar and they're like, oh, desk and a coffee maker? We got this.
1: You know, if you go back to what you were saying earlier, the keyword flex. And the reason that a lot of the traditional folks are trying to bring in co-working is to accommodate that flex requirement that the larger enterprise companies need these days. One of the landlords that we work with said they were touring in one of their new buildings they were touring these enterprise companies and they always every one of them asked what is your provision for flex so Mm -hmm. it's starting to become like wi-fi or or bandwidth that you You have to have flex in your building well how do you do that you well let's throw up some throw some desk into a room and call it co-working and that's where the friction comes in i think
0: yeah Definitely, because and and by the way, let me just for our audiences let you know that it is incredibly complicated. This is adult daycare people, and it it is messy. It is not easy.
1: It's not easy, but I think we tend to make it more difficult than what it is.
0: Ooh, let's let's double tap on that. How do we do that? Well,
1: I'm, I'm going to bring up a sore topic, and that's the valuation uh, methodologies of office buildings. Uh, we we make co working complicated because of the way buildings are valued. We've got revenue coming in via a co-working footprint in a building that we can't recognize properly because of the me- the valuation methodologies. So we've we've made it more complicated than what it really is. If we change the valuation methodology, we can accommodate that and we can accommodate uh, more co-working, more flexibility, more happier people.
0: Yeah, I think you know the thing is is the real estate industry was so ripe for a disruption. And I think this disruption snuck up on them. I think that they thought that when, you know, the pandemic was over, everyone would just come back and we changed in those two years and we're not coming back.
1: No. And and you you were talking about this before the past two years, you know, you've obviously with Juicy um, Mm -hmm. going around the world, evangelizing this for commercial real estate. And I'd be curious to hear from you, like pre-pandemic, what sort of interest were you getting with Juicy from this traditional real estate world?
0: You know, not a lot. There was a lot of curiosity. People don't realize a lot of large real estate companies attend Juicy, often incognito, to just kind of Mm -hmm. try to like infiltrate it and figure out what's going on. Pre pandemic, there was a lot of um, what can you do for me sort of attitude. And also, like, this is how we work, and you must fit into the way that we've always done business. Post pandemic, It's like, oh my gosh, I might need some help. I need to learn this. And I'm open to all kinds of things. I'm open to redoing my business. I'm open to adding insane amenity space. I'm open to partnering. And so I think it's, I think for the good of humans, I think the real estate world has had a great awakening and that they've figured out that what they've always done is no longer going to work. And I do agree with you the way, though, also that things have always traditionally been financed makes it harder.
1: Yep. No, I agree. I agree 100%. And it, it has to change. I think the investor profile will change because as, as the demand continues to increase for what I'll call space as a service, as that, as that demand continues to increase, I think that we're going to see it. We are seeing a gap between supply and demand now, and mm-hmm. someone's going to fill that gap. And it would probably be a higher risk investment than traditional real estate, but that means we'll have a new profile of investors coming in.
0: Well, and it's also, it's interesting, you know, I'm talking to a lot of companies recently and right now everybody's preparing to go out and raise money. There's so many people in the co-working industry about to go out there and raise money, whether it's aggregators, operators, um, software companies, like that's happening. And I think it some really exciting, innovative investors will figure out that this is a great place to go. But definitely, I, I think it's going to be a super interesting next six months from a raise perspective. Are you guys yeah. seeing that in the UK as well?
1: well there's certainly lots of lots of n- announcements of uh, either you know MA activity or you mm-hmm. know folks raising money and and yeah i think the next 6 12 36 months even is is going to be fascinating to watch both in in M and think also on the landlord side, we're going to see some businesses uh, not do too well with stranded assets because the assets aren't ready to accommodate demand, and they'll need to, you know, bring in some capital to to repurpose. And that asset won't will not be in a cycle for that sort of recapitalization. So I think I think you're going to see a lot of opportunistic investors coming into the market there. And then I wouldn't be surprised if they come in with an operator to, to support that that transaction.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think I yeah I'm glad you brought up the M and A as well because you know we've seen a lot of that already, right? The Office Group bought Fora, you know, Industrious has bought all kinds of things, and and it's just that's the tip of the iceberg. But there's not a lot of brands that have multiple locations and have their act together right now, right? Because they either closed or they're already in talks with people. So Mm. it's interesting that like. There's, you know, there's the big players at the top that are like 15, 20%. Then there's that, there was that middle layer of multiple locations, but like Common Desk bought by WeWork, you know, the brand, I can't remember their name in Amsterdam that Industrious just bought. And then they bought the Great Room in Singapore. So like there's that middle layer is gone. And that, that layer below where they've got one to two locations or they're thinking about getting their act together or they're coming over from across the pond to expand. Those are the people that are most interesting to me right now. Hey, hey, hey. Are you ready to meet in person for some more juicy content? Then join us in London. September 28th will be our main stage day at Convene and Bishopgate. And then on the 29th, we are popping around the city and you can choose your adventure. So you'll definitely want to join us and you can find us at uk.gcuc.co. We'll see you there.
1: I I have a question for you on that because brand is another topic that's near and dear to my heart. And it hasn't been at the forefront of the commercial real estate industry from from a customer perspective. Certainly Mm -hmm. there's real estate brands that are great for the investor side of the industry. But you know, I sort of believe that the future of Commercial real estate. I think the comm- future of commercial real estate is is spaces as a service, co working. Um, and I think the future of commercial real estate and co working and all of that looks like the hotel industry, where we'll have a few major global players, four or five. We'll have lots of local, maybe country brands, and then many independents underneath that. But in your opinion, and you see so many people across the world,
0: mm-hmm. how much
1: does brand actually play a role in a customer's buying habits?
0: You know, I think it's evolving and, you know, we all know WeWork, right? We all know Regis. We all know, we all know Industrious, right? We all know those, those big brands. And, but I do think if you look at people like VentureX, for example, VentureX is a U.S. franchise Um, They recently bought Office Evolution and they're looking for additional brands to add to their portfolio. And they're looking at it as a, like, you know, we've got a three-star, we've got a four-star, we want to add a five-star. And they probably want to add a two-star, which is very hotel-like, right? And like, I was talking to a brand here in Austin and they were like, hey, we're thinking about opening a very similar yet different kind of coworking Brand across the street from our existing brand. You think that's smart or dumb? And I think I was like, brilliant. Like you've already paid for the research. You already know this is a good location for your business. Just make it slightly different because you know one of the things that we've always talked about at Juicy is like the flavors of co working. You know, I hate when somebody's like, I, I say, oh, do you know co working? And they're like, yeah, I went one day to this big provider, insert name here, and I didn't like it. So I don't like co-working. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, how Mm -hmm. about going to the other 70 co-working spaces in Austin? Like, you got to try all the flavors to figure out which one you like. So if you go to a co-working space and it's not your vibe and not your industry, and it's like a bunch of bros and you're just like, oh, this is not me, then go to a different one. Like, there's so many out there, which also leads to, that means there's tons of room for tons of brands, right? And I think we'll also see, we've been talking for years about, you know, having really focused brands, which have happened over the years. I think a lot of them maybe didn't work so well during the pandemic, but, you know, I've seen co-working spaces for sewing. I've seen co-working spaces for lawyers. I've seen co-working spaces you know, for entrepreneurs, I've seen co-working spaces for women. I've seen co-working spaces that are, you know, they just announced that one in New York. That's for the 1% that's yeah. like super expensive. So long winded. Yes. More brands, please.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I think that is the the way the hotel industry is, is, is today. And I think we'll get there. It'll be fascinating to see how that plays out when it comes to the partnerships between landlords and operators. Will, will landlords pick certain brands because of the customers that they attract, the economics that they attract? I mean, I say yes. Will they stay steer away from certain um, operators because of the brand and the brand reputation? Um, And then will we see new businesses coming around that we haven't heard of today that helps measure that brand performance? I think so too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, it's interesting. I'm a member of Lexi, which is the League of Extraordinary Coworking Spaces. And there was just a whole thing around um, how do you measure community and how are different people measuring communities? And I think that's another thing that will be interesting to see over time is, you know, what are the different ways we can view space based off of different aspects that are hard to measure? Like, how do you measure hospitality?
1: And is there, I like, I like the question, how do you measure community and hospitality? Uh, has there been any sort of benchmarks out there? Or is, is anybody starting to put some data points behind that?
0: Some people are. And I asked one large operator recently, and they said they were doing it by how many people attended events. And I was like, well, that's one aspect of it. I mean, I think the thing is, is the things you can't see or touch are really hard to measure.
1: Yes, that's true. And uh, I sort of, I'm conflicted on this because there's, con- there's so many different data points out there today that we can try to measure. It is, the intangibles are hard hard to measure, but I like James with James Goldsmith from AXA. He's responsible for head of leasing for 22 Bishopsgate here in London, where uh, Juicy will be held. Yes. Um, And, or just the UK, I should say, specifically. But James says that the success should be measured. Sorry, uh, the, the KPI we should be focusing on is the success of the people who are in the space or in the community. So hmm. I wonder, I wonder what success means. And so it, could, we measure community based on the successful connections that people make mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. how they are able to grow their business from the time they come into the time they leave. For instance, in our bold Bauhaus location in Manchester, we had this co-founding team came in at two people. They're now at 12. They expect to be at 30 by the end of the year. They're opening up another office and so mm-hmm. Can we say that we played a role in that? Yes, but it's not just us. So how do we put KPIs and data around that? I don't know. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that came to mind when you said that is that I think would be a really good measurement is word of mouth. Because if because if you feel confident enough to bring your friend in, then then you love that space. And you know what? We actually, we did some research this past year that we presented at Juicy in Seattle that's available for download on Juicy.co if you sign up for our mailing list. And one of the things we measured recently was people finding work in the coworking space. And we found that 60% said that their coworking networks are their top source for getting work. So our tagline around that, coworking, it's just not where you work, it's where you find work. And so I think that that's another thing that could be like a a sign of success, right? Is if you're getting more work because you're co-working or at a space as a service or flex or whatever. But yeah, it's just, I think that's one that will be really interesting to follow because yeah, there are, I absolutely love KPIs, but I'm not sure which ones really answer that
1: be a good um topic for one of the sessions at at juicy uh yeah i I love how you guys put everybody together Mm -hmm. to go uh write out the the notes on the wall and just try to sort of throw things against the wall what sort of topics are you you guys going to be discussing coming up in in the in the autumn or the fall
0: yeah, yeah, thanks for asking. You know, it's 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 a great agenda. And just so you guys know, it's in London at Convene on the 28th, and we will be at Bold um on the 29th. And what is Bishop uh, Bishopgate at the Bishopgate fantastic venue? And we're doing everything from one of the things we do at UC UK is ask the expert, where we let people come and talk to some experts about specific things they're looking for, which is like a little bit different. We're talking a lot about real estate management agreements, some of the stuff that you would kind of expect. And, you know, a lot about the future and where we see it going and arming people with the tools and the tactics they need to next level their business.
1: That's really exciting and certainly we're looking forward to hosting the the day two sessions at, at Exchange, which is your you're you're half right there. It is a white label. Oh sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's um it's, it's a white because you've
0: branded bold so successfully, <laughs> it's just what comes to mind.
1: Well, I, I will certainly not complain about that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, it is it, it is Exchange. Uh, so it's so a white label brand that we created for for AXA. But on day two, we're going to looking forward to, to hosting that. And I'm looking forward to learning on, on day one at convene. Um, they've got a really, really cool space on uh, in the building as well. Uh, management agreements yeah. you talked about, which is a hot topic right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um the Place Tech just came out with uh, an article uh, today, actually, from Savills and mm. talking about the different different ways that who's, who's doing management agreements and who's not. And and how can you partner with which landlords? It's a really good article. I'll send it to you. And, oh, great. Uh, it's just such a hot topic. So I'm glad you're covering that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I did a management agreement in 2015 and I work a lot with Benjamin Diet, and he did one of the first in the industry. So yeah, management agreements are always a popular topic. You know, the evolution of business models, expanding your footprint, you know, how do you handle rising costs, asset management, you know, it's just kind of what you would expect, but with always a little bit of juicy flair. You know, one of the things I don't do is I don't like go to like event industry events and find out like what I should be talking about or, you know, follow the rules. I never thought I would be in events and, you know, running an event company and what I went to a lot of boring events. And so one of the things we really strive for at Juicy is to be different. And we always listen to our audience and we always ask our audience what they want. And that's what we provide. And that, that just works really well for us. And at the same time, we have fun, we make fun of ourselves, and we, we try to have a good time because like life is short and nobody wants to go to a boring conference.
1: Well, I remember Juicy UK 2018, was it? I think so, 2018, yeah. 2018, I think it was where you guys um, uh, invited me to, uh, to participate and I uh, was joining Luli um, on stage as a, as an MC. That was fun. I, I, I'll i never forget. Um, you said, look, this is not your typical conference. So. Please go crazy and and shake things up a little bit.
0: Well, Um, which was hilarious too, because then you and the Americans, you and I, then absolutely (laughs) kind of freaked out the (laughs) London audience. Like, I'm like, everybody say juicy. And they're just like, juicy. And I'm like, wait, what's happening?
1: Um, well, I, but I, I did get, I did get somebody, uh, one of the British, uh, people to hold up, a, I held up a sign and said, can you read somebody say this out loud? And I got <laughs> somebody from the audience to yell, was it juicy? Fuck yeah.
0: I think so. I think so. <laughs> and like, that's the thing. It's like, you gotta have fun. You gotta push the boundaries. And I think though, I think that set, it was so great, Kayla, because I think that just, even though it was disarming, it set the tone, right? For this is this is going to be different. This is going to be in your face. This is going to be fun. And this is what you can expect from Juicy. And we've had a really good run in the, in the UK. And we love going there. And I can't wait to go back. And I have so many friends there. And it was really great. And you were a huge part of that.
1: Well, it was, it was a fun time for me. And I'm really glad you guys are coming back. The industry needs this kind of fun. We need this energy. And Yeah, we need it in the UK. We've got some folks here that are carrying that torch and we just need to get build the tribe.
0: Well, I have absolutely loved watching you evolve and grow and congratulations again on your success and can't wait to hang out with you in London. And thank you so much for doing this with me.
1: Uh, thank you for having me on, Liz. And it's been great to stay connected over the years and obviously see your growth. And um, from from a co-working operator to a globally, nationally, internationally known event star.
0: <laughs> I'm international worldwide now.
1: <laughs> international worldwide. You know, that uh, that Rob. every time I think about you, I think about that Rob Bass song. I'm not internationally known. I'm just knowing the, the microphone. That's you. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. All right. Well, more to come y'all stay tuned.